and you're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, and KFCF in Fresno. The time passed three. Um, we are going to listen to Jennifer Stone to cover to cover. Please stay with us. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Thanks, I mean, she's up my board up today. I didn't hear Jim's. <laughs> I I didn't hear Jim's um, uh, emergency buzz. You know, I was waiting for the buzz, and I thought, Good Lord, maybe we've really got an emergency. My nerves are shot, people. Just absolutely shot. Screaming. The top of my head is coming off. Never mind. Never mind. I've already taped my Cassandra speech for the Thursday morning show. That'll be on at 8.20 Thursday morning. Like the coward I am, I'm getting out of town. I want to go back to the woods where I can't hear the media this week, I've had the radio on 24-7, no sleep. I figure if I can't go to New Orleans, if I can't do something, I might as well try to stay sane, unlike Cassandra, who ran mad. The fact is, I can't go very far because, just like the poor in New Orleans, I have no car and no money for trains or buses. So, when the quake hits here, <laughs> I'll be trapped along with quite a few other folks. Check out Becky O'Malley's editorial on the Cassandra moment. Uh, it's in the Berkeley Daily Planet. It's your basic spin, um, kind of like the New York Times, you know, deja vu all over again. These barbaric bush Bastards might as well be Nero, you know, fiddling while Rome burned. Uh, it's very grim, folks, yes. The quality, the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven on the place beneath. Uh-huh. Shakespearean sentiments are a little bit off the mark, guys. Uh, you remember many years ago, Mikhail Gorbachev. Yes, I dreamt I saw Mikhail last night. Alive as you and me, he talked and talked about his idea for an international organization. He'd call it, he said, a green cross. International kind of red cross based at the United Nations kind of centralized helpline, a global uh, 
task force, right, you know, uh, <laughs> something we could all count on, first responders uh, out of the gate. This time, apparently only the Coast Guard was awake, along with a handful of heroes, as always, the great souls rise to the occasion, but it's not enough, folks, it's not enough. Uh, this is a city. We're talking about, uh, what is that, uh, more than three states in the southern part of the United States. Uh, we may very well destroy the Gulf of Mexico with this one. Check out a new HBO series called Rome. If you are interested or if you enjoy historical parallels, analogs, same human history, always the same. History doesn't repeat itself, but human beings do. Human nature always follows these patterns. Uh, is it, you know, build it up and knock it down. Rome, the uh, HBO show, is a brilliant portrayal of the death of a republic. 400 years of the Roman Republic. Yes. Uh, then came Julius Caesar and Pompey and the birth of an empire. Uh, it's the end of republican government. Not a democracy, of course, but at least a republican government with a senate and all that. Uh, and the beginning of tyranny, that is, the concentration of power at the top. One man rule. Julius Caesar and his crowd are profiled in this series. It's a 12-hour show, and uh, it specializes in verisimilitude. They say that the actors were forced to wear uh, only the materials made in those days, wool, linen, little silk. Uh, they were miserably uncomfortable, yes. My favorite was that the soldiers couldn't use gel in their hair. Italian uh, soldiers, um, Italian actors were upset. Get out the play by William Shakespeare. Read the great lines. Uh, yes, Jan Cassius has a lean and hungry look. Such men are dangerous. Our men are not so dangerous. Yes, Caesar always says, give me someone, yes, who is fatter. Would he were fatter, says Caesar. I'm looking at our fat boys from Karl Rove on down, and in a way their benign appearance belies their uh, their hearts, their behavior. Uh, I was thinking last night, not just Shakespeare, but there's a play by George Bernard Shaw called Caesar and Cleopatra, which has a funnier modern British take. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, 19th century British spin on the Romans. So many parallels, you know, these Brits love the Roman model. As a matter of fact, uh, if you've watched television over the years, you would think the Brits were Romans, what with I, Claudius, and all that bunch. I get such a kick out of uh, the way uh, the Brits, of course, did I, Claudius, with the help of the great Robert Graves, his great novels. But they did that production in a studio, I'm sure. There were no um, uh, outdoor scenes, you know. It was all done uh, staged, as it were. And all they had was brilliant actors like John Hurt playing Caligula. 
that sort of thing. And uh, Derek Jacobi, of course, as uh, um, I, Claudius, the the king, the emperor, the accidental emperor Claudius. Uh, that play, of course, is much later in time than Julius Caesar. Uh, it's at the end of the rule of Augustus Caesar. In the current series, 12 Hours on HBO, we have Octavian or Augustus Caesar as a boy. He's a wonderful little actor. He's a complete snit. He's really, <laughs> really quite funny guy. The future uh, great ruler of Rome. Uh, this show is written by Bruno Heller. It's a terrific name because the show is both brutal and hellish. Bruno Heller. Great name for a writer. It's uh, crowded with detail. The production is quite splendid. I think uh, it's gotten more publicity than anything else this year. The historical recreations are fascinating. The brilliant primary colors. I do take uh, exception to the bikini wax on the nude women. I think it is doubtful that the Roman matrons shaved themselves in that manner. Why, I'm sure that they did all sorts of wild and crazy things, but I would imagine that full pubic hair and underarm hair might be a more accurate uh, portrayal. Oh, I I kid, I'm being uh, trivial. Uh, the descriptions of a vanishing middle class, though, that seems very politically astute, very contemporary. Cato and Cicero and all those folks, you know, chatting away. The chattering classes in Rome, so like our own chattering classes, these lazy liberals like Brutus. He's a completely shallow fellow. Uh, Caesar, Julius Caesar uses him to uh, uh, spread a rumor and of course Brutus is not bright enough uh, to get it. There is a suggestion of course in history that Brutus is the son of Julius Caesar and there is an actress uh, uh, oh I've forgotten her name now um, I don't have the cast list in front of me. She plays the mother of Brutus she's a major character Savilla. she's supposed to be a lover of uh, Julius Caesar. And then we have the mother of Octavian, a very bawdy, lewd lady. <laughs> and there are, uh, I was going to say, I must put a warning on here, I forgot. Uh, this is uh, lewd and lascivious, as well as bloody. There are uh, hideous operations, and uh, uh, there's one scene I, I loved in which one of the soldiers knocks out the teeth of a uh, uh, someone he's just killed. Apparently, in uh, ancient times, or in, even in the Middle Ages, teeth were very valuable. Apparently, you could just poke them into anybody's mouth. I don't know quite how they did this, but apparently sometimes it worked. Uh, I suppose it would be better than wooden teeth. That's what George Washington had to put up with. In any case, I made some notes uh, on the uh, uh, the political spin the writer did try to get in a lot of, uh, let's call it politically correct uh, or liberal thinking. He's quite quite pragmatic, quite uh, cold-blooded in his interpretation. At the same time, uh, he does show you uh, that with the disappearance of the middle class goes all hope of social mobility. 
He is careful whenever there is a political discussion, you know, to have some gladiators in the foreground so that we don't lose the modern audience. But uh, he shows that when the social contracts are broken, you know, when you stop with the bread and circuses, <laughs> uh, when the people are free to starve, uh, free to sleep under bridges, free to perish in natural and unnatural disasters, you know, uh, they may just turn on the rulers. Yes, uh, Pompey is told by Cato that if he loses the people's uh, approval, the love of the people... He'll be out in the cold. God, let us hope so. Let us hope that the voters this time, this next time around, uh, just go for the polls and don't let them steal the next election. Uh, anyway, uh, the rulers don't lift a hand uh, to prevent horrors that we all know are coming. And when they don't... Uh, the question, of course, is whether or not they will have to pay for this down the road or whether they'll get away with it. I've been thinking um, that perhaps it is better to be hit by terrorists here in the United States in the 21st century, right? I mean, uh, the survivors or victims, whatever you want to call them, of 9-11 in New York. They got millions in compensation. I think the average was three million something. Uh, can't possibly be that high, but apparently uh, they did very well. Now, how much compensation do you think the national government is going to dole out to the folks down south? <laughs> they couldn't even get a bottle of water. I suppose they'll get just what Caesar, Julius Caesar, gave the plebs, you know, uh, throwing coins to the masses. And they'll only get it when Caesar or any ruler needs their support. This show, Rome, has this terrific look. Uh, I kept thinking it's like today's Near East parts of Egypt, India, uh, many places around the Mediterranean looks very familiar, of course, you know. That's where it happened. Now, I'm hooked by the guy who's playing Caesar. His name is Syrian Hines. And uh, he's the best Caesar I could possibly have imagined. I saw him first, I think the first time... Uh, he moved me was as Captain Wentworth in a BBC production of Persuasion. Don't miss that if you get a chance. It's on DVD. I got a lovely little box set of Jane Austen's novel Persuasion along with the DVD video. Make a wonderful present for uh, a Jane Austen fan. Now, today I want to spend the time I have a uh, a little bit of time I have left uh, on a couple of long poems. I had the uh, great fortune over the weekend to go to the celebration uh, of art and soul down in Oakland. I couldn't help thinking, you know, that I was out there reading doomsday poems. <laughs> 
to, what is it, hordes of people passing through, not paying much attention down there in the heart of Oakland. Yes, Poetry World, music, panel discussions, the American Book Awards. All this wonderful Labor Day stuff, and I never saw so many people trying so hard to have a good time. God bless them. Ah, if we can't, if we cannot take joy in living, yes, we owe it to the dead to do that. I meant to, before I forget, I meant to give you the toll-free congressional hotline. For God's sakes, keep calling. This uh, next day or two, of course, we have the conservative uh, uh, conservative judge on the court. I meant to spend all this time on uh, the right-wing terror uh, coming down, especially where women's rights, reproductive rights are concerned. Uh, uh, the judge that will replace uh, O'Connor is the big problem now. This is all going to start happening tomorrow, Wednesday, so uh, keep your eye on the prize here and call the Congressional Hotline toll-free number. That number is 877-762-8762. I'll give it one more time. Write it down. Call your congresspeople, but call all the congresspeople and ask them, please, 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 to do what they can, not just to help the people down south, but to do something to block this uh, Supreme Court appointment. The number is 877-762-8762. It does matter. The phone calls do help. You know that. My favorite thing is to send a 23-cent postcard, you know, with just big, two or three big words. That way all the secretaries read it on the way. (laughs) I remember... I think it was, oh, golly, not the first Gulf War, the second Gulf War, the third Gulf War, yes. Um, Gaul is divided into three parts. Why do I keep going back to Rome? Uh, yes, the second Punic Wars, the third Punic Wars. <laughs> this poem was written long, long ago. This was written uh Yes, the first Gulf War. It's a homage to W.B. Yeats. His work, The Second Coming, inspired a parody. I love to rewrite the old um, poems, parody them. Uh, Let me give you the glossary. First of all, uh, there's a word here called mutspell. It means literally a mother's curse. Mutspell, M-U-T. Your mutter in German, yes. Listen to your mutter, baby. It's the Norse idea of a fate which will overtake the world at doomsday, a mut spell. It's the result of the goddess's disgust at the action of men and gods. Crone mother will lay her doom upon the world, lay uh, her hand on our throats. Spirits from the hot southern lands, the land of Mutspelheim, that is hell. That land will begin to destroy the earth. It's a mythic reminder of Kali, the destroyer, in her original territory. Yes, the underworld. Or hell, yes. It's a wonderful scene in the new series, Rome. Octavian's mother takes a bath in bull's blood, literally lets it 
drench her, you know. And she comes out, and the seer, the uh, fellow who reads the omens, he says, Great Mother promises that your son will survive. I thought, well, I'll keep that in mind. When things look really dreadful and I'm in terror, frightened for the life of one of my sons, I must remember to take a bath in bull's blood. Uh, the other word in the poem is miasma. That is, again, a spiritual pollution uh, from the Greek. It's a highly contagious evil fate brought on by crimes against a mother or against the mother goddess's traditional laws. And you know what they are. It's not nice, not nice to fool the great mother. Also, there is a reference to the city of the great mother called Byblos. We get the word Bible from the word Byblos, B-Y-B-L-O-S. Byblos is the oldest continuously occupied temple in the world. It was the famous seat of the ancient Semitic great goddess. Uh, she has, oh, you know, 18 names here. Ishtar, Isis, Hathor, and more and more and more. The earliest libraries were attached to her temple. The word Biblos can mean any holy book or the Bible. Now, this city, the city of Biblos and its temple, this city in Mesopotamia, is the target of our Christian crusades. Remember the city of Ur, spelled U-R? We're very busy with our current crusade. I've lost track of the number. <laughs> anyway, this is my parody of W.B. Yeats' poem, The Crone. Yes, The Crone's Coming is my poem. His was called The Second Coming. Turning and turning in the cauldron's eye, the maiden cannot see the Mutzpelheim. Things fall apart. The center will not fold. Mere patriarchy is loosed upon the earth. The blood-cursed tides at flood. Everywhere the ritual of innocence is drowned. The boys, the men, lack all conviction. <laughs> the boys are full of passionate mediocrity. Surely some what spell is at hand. Surely the crone's coming is at hand. The crone's coming. Hardly are these words out when a vile image out of mother's miasma taints my sight. Somewhere in the sands of his desert, a shape with steel body and the head of a phallus, a gaze blank and pitiless as a gun, is aiming its slow death, while all about it reel shadows of the despairing desert birds. The darkness drops again. I grow old. I grow old. Centuries of cold stone silence on the Galilean's cross. Till the white nightmare, her hour come round at last, flees toward Byblos to be mourned. 
I would remind you that you can find tales of the white nightmare in Robert Graves' book, The White Goddess. It is Robert Graves who wrote those wonderful books, uh, I, Claudius, and Claudius the God. He's a mythomaniac, as I am. He loves to, um, uh, what is the word, uh, parallel or uh, uh, draw analogies between the old time and our time. Of course, all ages are the same age. Just the costumes change. This piece is called Many Thousands Gone, and it describes the look of things on Telegraph Avenue now. Yes, that was my familia up there, a la familia, up in the little Italian uh, coffee houses on Telegraph Avenue. A familia in Latin, the old uh, Latin, familia meant one Roman citizen's slaves, that is, all of the slaves in the household of one Roman citizen. <laughs> that would include the the women, the property of the pater, the patriarch, the dude. This is called Many Thousands Gone. The day of the cafe is done. The day of the locusts is come. No more the cigarettes shall burn nor melancholy Mednick share his fondest, blondest lie. Lost lovers around all the corners, those alcoholic spasms we called love affairs. The day of the cafe is done. The day of the locusts is come. Brightness falls from the air. Lesbians have died young and fair. Police play frisbee with hate man. And it's all over now, baby blue. The times they are a-changing one more spin till the wheel comes full circle. Hippie poets arrive at the place the beats began, exalted exhaustion, Beatitude trumps attitude. All these fine young cannibals dipping their pens in the blood of the masses, writing their hearts out. Poetry the plasma, milking the miasma, the malaise of midtown morality, of self-righteous sincerity. The bleat of the orthodox radical Telegraph Avenue, USA, center of the known universe. In the beginning was the writing on the wall, the dying falling through the cracks, carved in stone for the year 2K. There is no help coming. Duck and cover. Illusion shot to hell, free at last. No black boot and no barbed wire this time, no big brother at all, just the tin cup and the TV, technicide and empty eyes. No more bedtime stories and no more holding hands. Let's not kid ourselves. We were never innocent, not in my lifetime. This has been... Jennifer Stone 
And I will be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, remember that the quality of mercy is not strained. Change is in the air coming this fall. Starting the first week in September, on Fridays, Counterspin will be coming to you at 2 p.m., followed by Pushing Limits and Thinking Out Loud with Bill Mandel at 2.30. Cover to Cover will be starting a new day at 3 o'clock on Fridays with Open Book. And Free Speech Radio News will be coming at you at 3.30.